Isn't it good? Isn't it good? That's crazy to even say that, that we would serve a God that's living. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, all the children, you guys get to rise right now. So it's time to, resurrection happens right now. Everybody rise up and and head off to, to kids' church. Everybody else, uh, you guys can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20. We're going to be looking at some selected passages there in John 20 and John 21. And I'm going to start with Matthew 28 to kind of set the scene. After the Sabbath... At the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. Going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And now I have told you. And so the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him clasped his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. And we know that uh, from that point on, that encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus, that really everything, everything changed for these disciples. They were different resurrection changed their lives and never to be the same. And, and it's the resurrection of Jesus that sets Christianity apart from every other world religion. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a God who is, who is alive. And if Jesus Christ is alive, then we have to believe that everything that Jesus said in his ministry is true. Everything, he alluded to the fact that he would rise from the dead. And the resurrection is what forces us to consider everything that Jesus taught, everything that Jesus said. Was it true? Yes, it was. The resurrection means that, we, that God is alive and that he reigns in heaven and also that he can reign in our own lives. What difference does the, does the resurrection make to you, what, is it, what difference does it make in our lives? And this morning, I want you to think about four things. The resurrection brings us a life that is characterized by peace. Our lives are characterized by the peace of God. The resurrection brings purpose to our lives. We have, we have lives that are, that are filled with purpose. Just like the disciples, the resurrection brings us a life that's fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the resurrection brings us a life that is free from the past. 
And these are the, these are the things that Jesus is going to say and, and do in, these, in this, these passages, these scriptures this morning. And not only are they true right here in the Gospels, but Paul then carries them out, right? We know that these themes become true throughout the New Testament. And so not only was the resurrection relevant to his disciples, but the resurrection is relevant to us. And so let's look at these things. Um, The first, I believe that, that the resurrection should result in a life that is characterized by peace. Look at verse 19 in John chapter 20. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Jesus begins his greeting and he says, Peace. This is, a tradi- this is more than a traditional Jewish greeting at this point. Jesus pronounces peace to his disciples. He says, Peace be with you. If, if you think through this a little bit and you think, the disciples are hiding, right? They're afraid of, of what might happen because they were connected to Jesus Christ. They ran hiding when Jesus during the last part of the week. Peter denies Jesus. And so Jesus comes in this room where they're staying, and, and what does he say to them? He says, peace, peace be with you. I bet they were surprised. I bet they were thinking, Wow, Jesus is going to say something like, man, guys, you couldn't stick with me during the last part of this? You ditched me. Why did you ditch me? You ditchers, come on. Why would you deny me like that? But Jesus speaks peace. He appears to his disciples and he says, don't worry, I haven't abandoned you. There's two reasons in this text, why the resurrection of Jesus gives us peace. And the first is this, is that Jesus gives us peace simply because it's the words of Jesus there. Peace be with you. We have peace with God because God has declared peace, because he said, peace be with you. It's not because of your goodness or, or anything that you've done. And it's not even because of your ditching Jesus that you're denied peace. God, through the words of Christ, says peace. And and the disciples are listening to this and they're, they're thinking back to the upper room discourse. Just two days earlier, Jesus said this when he had the last supper with the disciples. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. Jesus is speaking about a different kind of peace here, a peace with God. That's why last week's message, and Gus shared that passage, and and Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. And he says, he says this, he says, if if you had only known what would bring you peace. If you'd only known. You think that an earthly king, one who will conquer the Romans, will bring you peace. That's not the kind of peace that I'm going to bring here. I'm not going to bring you the kind of peace that's going to make you happy. 
and that's going to make America great again. I'm not going to bring that kind of peace. I'm bringing a peace to you that the world cannot give. No leader can give to the world. My peace is different. Yes, it is a peace that passes all understanding and guards our hearts. And so our peace is, is based on the words of Christ here. My peace be with you. And our peace is based on the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. Look at verse 20. After he'd said this, he greeted them with peace. He showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed because they'd seen the Lord. We have peace with God because of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because his hands were pierced, because his feet were pierced, because his blood was spilt for you at the cross, because his side was pierced, we have peace. And Jesus shows his disciples and says, my peace I bring to you. Look at my hands. Look at my side. In 1 John 2, in verses 1 and 2, John writes, he says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Who is it? Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the whole world. Jesus Christ, through his sacrifices, offered the world his peace. And our lives should be characterized by the peace of God. Those who believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, those who have put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, our lives are characterized by the peace of God. What is peace? What does it look like? It's rest. Entering into the rest that comes from God. It's the assurance of things hoped for. The certainty of the things that we cannot see. It's deeper. This peace that God brings us, it's deeper than the absence of conflict in our lives. No, God's peace is there in the midst of crisis. God's peace is there in the midst of the busyness of life. God's peace is, is there when a person's dying. And God's peace is there when, when those who are left behind are watching someone that they love die. God's peace is there in the midst of trials. It's a different kind of peace that God offers us. God's peace is there in the midst of the chaos and things that are out of control in your lives. I can think of two very specific times in my life where the peace of God has just washed over me beyond what I could even comprehend or imagine. The first one was when I was six years old. <laughs> and, and suddenly there was this conviction in my heart that I was a sinner and that I wasn't going to go to heaven when I died. My sin separated me from God. And because of that, because of my sin, I was headed for hell. <laughs> but, then, but then Jesus came in. Jesus came in, he came into my life and into my heart. And I remember that night sitting with my parents, praying in faith, asking the Lord Jesus to save me from my sins. 
And there was an incredible peace that just washed over me at salvation. I, I can't even explain it. It's this joy that comes. It's the, it's the experience that the disciples are having. They're overjoyed when they see Jesus and they see his hands and his feet. I remember another time in the midst of chaos, total chaos, we, we were driving out to California, uh, Karen and I, and we decided uh, we were young and dumb and about 20, and we thought, it's only California. It's not that far to drive. We'll just keep driving all night and all day and, you know, however long it takes to get there. And um, that's when I found out that I'm, I just sleep at the wheel. And, um, and uh, we're, we made it all the way to New Mexico. We're, in, we're near Grants, New Mexico, and Karen has just finished driving. I get in the driver's seat in our little Honda Accord, and... And the sun is just coming up, and it's just so soothing, and I have such peace in my heart. I'm like, and that's not the part of the peace I'm talking about here, but I had such peace. I'm just like, I think I'm going to just take a nap and go to sleep. And um, boy, when I woke up, there we were with the semi, this, this guard that's on the back of the semi-trailer. I know why they're there now. They're there to save your life. And there it is right in our face. And we wake up, and there's the truck driver. Saying, dude, you ran into us. And, and I remember the peace of God just washing over me and washing over Karen. And we're, we're sitting there, blood, and we're singing, Be still, my soul. The Lord is on your side. Wait patiently for him. And I can, I can just feel it like it's today. It's the peace of God that transcends understanding that guards our hearts. God is there in the midst of the chaos. And that's the kind of peace that God brings. If your life is in, yeah, if your life is, is, is not characterized by the peace of God generally, what are you fighting against? What's going on in your heart? Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Do you know the peace that God brings to his people? Jesus pronounces peace. He says, peace be with you. And the disciples <laughs> are filled with joy. But not only does the resurrection give us life that's characterized by peace, um, when God makes peace with us, God fills you. God gives you a life that is filled with with purpose. Jesus' mission here is one of the dominant themes of John's gospel, and it's given as a pattern for his disciples to follow. Look at Jesus' words in verse 21. Again, he says to them, peace be with you. He assures them again, peace be with you. I'm not mad at you. I want to I I have peace with you. And then he says, as the Father has sent me, I I'm sending you. Just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And Jesus is commissioning his disciples here. He's saying, I give you my peace, and I'm going to send you out. You're going to be my messengers. You're going to be the, the live hands and feet of Jesus, carrying the gospel, 
to the nations. I'm leaving, by the way. You're here. As the Father sent me, and I've finished my work. I've done everything that God called me to do. And now I'm sending you. You will be my agents of peace. And so our lives are filled with purpose. What are we, how, do we, how are we qualified for this? What qualifies these disciples? What qualifies us to be God's messengers of peace? Just what we talked about. Receiving Jesus. Possessing the peace that comes from Christ when he declares to you, I'm making peace with you and knowing the peace of Christ. That's our qualifications to go out and share the gospel. Unless a person has been reconciled to God by Christ, unless he has really made peace with God, that person can't represent God before the world. But once you have experienced God's peace, your life will never be the same. And your life is not your own. You were bought with the price, the precious blood of God. And we owe it to him to share with the world God's peace. Your life is filled with purpose now to declare the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into light. And so we have a mission. Just as the Father sent, has sent me, what did God's, why did God send Jesus? Why did he send him? A couple of scriptures to, to consider here. He sent Jesus to save the world. In John 3, 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God sent Jesus. His mission was to save the world. In John 10, 10, it says that the thief comes only to kill and steal and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus' mission was to bring you a full and abundant resurrection life. In John 18, 37, Jesus is before Pilate. He says, well, you're a king then. He says, you're right in saying that I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. We get our truth from God. We get our truth from listening to Jesus. Jesus came to, to testify to the truth that God loves the world, that God loves his children, and that God loves you. And God came to make peace with you. That's the message. That was Jesus' mission to make peace. And Jesus' mission was also to make disciples. And we see it in this verse, in verse 21. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. I'm sending you out. Just, Jesus isn't just giving this mission to his disciples. He's giving it to you. He's giving it to me. The Great Commission is something that's for all of us. It was for the disciples and it's for us today. You and I are being sent forth to proclaim and bear witness to the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. We are his witnesses of his grace and his mercy in our lives. We're his messengers of peace. 
You are sent forth. I'm sent forth to proclaim the full life that comes through Jesus Christ. And the full life that comes through faith in Him. It's you and I. We're sent forth to testify to the truth of Jesus' words and His Lordship. The resurrection fills our lives with purpose. You have a great purpose. God's brought peace to you. You know, without the resurrection, Jesus' disciples would simply go back to their old lives. And we would carry on in this world like the rest of the world that doesn't have any hope. How are you living your life? Do you live your life with purpose? Do you let Jesus give meaning and purpose to your life? Does the resurrection of Jesus fill your life with the purpose of God? Or are we just like the rest of the world, just living our lives and going on as if there's no hope? Jesus should, should, change, should change us. It fills our lives with purpose. I got to see it yesterday firsthand. You know, when the community's gathered, the church, the church should be there. We believe that as a church. It's a value. We carry the gospel. When the community is gathered, the church needs to be there. They need to see followers of Jesus Christ who celebrate the resurrection of Christ at Easter. That's why we're here at the Easter extravaganza. We carry the gospel. Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. Those disciples did a good job, didn't they? You realize you're sitting here because of the ministry of these disciples? They took Jesus' commission seriously. And Paul carries that theme through the New Testament, and he says to you and me, he says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Those of us that have experienced the resurrection and know the peace of God, God is making his appeal through you. Live out the gospel. Live out the peace of Christ in your life. Declare it. Let the sacrifice of Jesus mean something in your life. And I watched that yesterday at the Easter extravaganza. We have some incredible students in this church who rocked this, totally rocked this event. And I'm going to embarrass one of them. I'm just going to call him out. Jamie Scow. Sorry, I just, I, I didn't mean to, I want to embarrass you. I just want you to know that I, I watched this girl at this event, and Brianna was right there with her, and I watched her hand people the Bible and invite them to church. Here's an Easter invite for you to the church. And she didn't just stand behind the table there. She realized that there were, there were just too many people to just stand there. She got out from behind the table, walked around this room, and declared and invited people to Easter. The resurrection means something. It fills our lives with purpose. Let's look on here then. Not only does the resurrection fill our lives with purpose, not only do we have the peace of Christ, but, but 
also, we're, we're, our life is fueled by the power of God. Look at this. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus is not going to leave his disciples on their own. Jesus is giving them what he had promised a couple days earlier when he's speaking to his disciples in the upper room. And he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus' disciples aren't alone. The, the power, the conviction that they had to, to personally be killed for their faith was not just because they had a deep conviction on their own. It's because the Holy Spirit of God was living in them. And guess what? Every believer in Jesus Christ that's in this room, you have the Holy Spirit of God. You have the source of God's power living in you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead to steal from a song is the same resurrection power that lives in us. And we are powered by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And that Spirit is what caused Peter to stand up and to preach at Pentecost. He wasn't alone in that message. And he declared the praises of God. He he said this at the end of his message. Everybody was cut to the heart. And he said said this in Acts 2 and verse 38. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice the promise is not just for his disciples. Look at this next verse. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. If you have been called by God. If God in his grace has reached out to you and said I want you to receive me. Guess what? When you receive him, you receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, Ephesians 1.13 says, and, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit of God. Every believer receives the Holy Spirit of God. To what end? Why do we have the Spirit? He says it there, to proclaim the forgiveness of sins. Through the Holy Spirit, he gives us the boldness to say that to people, to declare the forgiveness of sins. Who does the forgiving? God does. God does. And this verse can be a little tricky. Look at that. It says, receive the Holy Spirit. If if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The key to understanding this, the meaning of this verse, again, Jesus says, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. We need to look at those two verses before that. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus sent them and he's sending us to bring good news of the way of salvation and heaven to the whole world. Jesus is leaving earth physically, uh, but he promised that God would be with them in the person of the Holy Spirit living in them. 
and that as they proclaim the gospel, they can honestly tell people who believed in that message that their sins were forgiven, not by them, but by God. And they could honestly tell people that did not believe in their message that their sins were not forgiven and that they still stand condemned before God's eyes. And I'm going to tell it to you today. If you're here this morning and you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, you have not been convicted, you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't believe in the resurrection, you don't believe in the cross, you don't believe in the death and burial and resurrection, your sins are not forgiven. You stand dead and condemned in your sin. And there really is a hell. Hell is real. But for those who believe, for those who receive the Lord Jesus Christ, for those who receive the grace and the mercy and the sacrifice of Jesus, not trying to do it on their own, not trying to be good enough and think that they can somehow attain resurrection on their own, for those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, I can say to you, your sins are forgiven. You've been set free by the power of God and by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and you have, n- and you have not received the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ, why not today? Let today be resurrection for you, new life for you. Don't miss it. We proclaim the forgiveness of sins. And then Jesus does something beautiful. (laughs) He demonstrates to his disciples, he demonstrates this forgiveness to his disciples through his interaction with Peter. Look at John chapter 21. I'm not going to read these first verses to you. Here's what happens after they encounter Christ. They've encountered him several times, and, um, and Peter goes back to fishing. You, you kind of have to interpret. This is my own interpretation of this. This is my own thoughts. There's a mood kind of in Peter of almost like, well, let's just go fishing. You know, what do you do when you're discouraged? Men or women? Uh, some of you guys. Hey, when you're discouraged and you just need a little bit of time to think about, think through some things, what do you do? You go fishing, right? How many, are there any fishers in here? Anybody fish? Okay, Tyler knows what I'm talking about. Hey, when I need to just get away and kind of contemplate life and contemplate things, I go fishing. Well, Peter, he's a fisherman. Um, he's already seen Jesus twice. And even, a, even after Peter sees Jesus, it would seem that he's still discouraged. Now, Peter isn't someone who's lost. Don't think for a second that Peter is lost. Peter is a believer. Peter is the one that is is saying, you are the Christ, the Son of God. He's the one that declares it. He's the first to speak up. He loves the Lord with all of his hearts in these Gospels. He believes in in the message and the mission of Jesus. He's all in until... Thursday, Friday, and he gets scared. He doesn't understand what's happening. Put yourself in his shoes for a second. I'm sure you can imagine the disappointment 
you can imagine the shame that Peter must have been feeling. Every time he sees Jesus, every time Jesus appears to him, he's reminded of his, of his denial. Man, I'm the guy that really screwed up here. I said I would never do this. I said that I would never deny him. And yet here I am. Yeah, Jesus was right. I failed. I failed him. Think about your own life. Think about your own sin and how you think about it. Man, whatever sin that you're struggling with. Ugh, I failed again. Maybe I'm not worthy. Maybe I'm not worthy for this. But Jesus is not through with Peter. Jesus doesn't write Peter off there. Look at verse 15. This is beautiful. They'd finished eating breakfast. The Lord had, had, had <laughs> made this multiple catch of fish, and they're enjoying breakfast. And when Peter had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and you lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. The resurrection of Jesus brings us a life that is free from the past. And I know many of you have experienced the same grace with Jesus. Jesus was afraid the first time. He didn't want to be killed. He, so he denied God. He said, I don't want to be part of that. I don't want him to put me up on the cross with him. God says to Peter, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to give you a second chance at this. And by the way, I'm going to tell you what kind of death you're going to die. Are you afraid? Don't be afraid. Peace be with you. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but can't kill the soul. And we know tradition states that Peter was crucified. And he had the peace of God. God wasn't through with Peter. Remember what Jesus said to Peter in Luke 22? When he said that he was going to deny him, he said this. He says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus foreshadowed this. 
And because of the resurrection, no failure is final. Nor does the past failure disqualify you from present service. You can't say you can't say to God, "Well, God, you just have no idea what I've done. You have no idea what I've done. There's no way that I can serve you because of because of my past." And Jesus says, "No. Your life is free from the past. I paid for that on the cross. And if there's anyone who should be disqualified from leadership because of failure, it's Peter." And yet God says to Peter, feed my sheep, follow me. There is no sin that is final. There's no failure that can't be made right. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's gracious, merciful. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. That's why I love God. That's why I love the Lord Jesus Christ. It's because when I screw up, I can go to him and say, God, I've really messed up here. And I need your grace again. I need your mercy again. You see, he doesn't just save us once. He continues to save us from our sin. He continues to give us the grace of God. So no matter who you are this morning or what you've done, Jesus is saying two things to you. He's asking you this. He's saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Do we love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? He's saying, if you love me, then follow me. You see, the resurrection, it gives us a choice to follow, to follow something more than the world. Resurrection gives us a choice to follow God. How about your life? Is your life a life that's characterized by peace? (laughs) Have you made peace with God? Do you have peace? Do you have purpose in your life? Is your life filled with the purpose that comes from the resurrection? Are your feet shod with the gospel of peace? Do you sense the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in your life, the life that's fueled by the power of God? Do you sense the Holy Spirit living in in you? The Holy Spirit's that voice that's, that's causing us to be bold, to step out from behind the table and to invite people to church. It's not natural. It's not something that we really always want to do. But the Spirit gives us the power and the conviction to do it. And what do you believe about your past? Are you still living there? Are you still living in the past, defeated? When Jesus is offering you new life, he's offering you a second chance. He's offering you forgiveness. My prayer is that today you would consider Jesus, you consider his resurrection power, and that you would make him your Lord and your Savior, and your God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we have the words of of Jesus here. 
Father, we believe that Jesus is God, um, that he's the first fruits, God, of resurrection. We believe, God, that, um, that there will come a day, God, when each of us will rise again. Each of us will rise from the dead and meet with you, God, in the air. We believe that. We believe in the resurrection, God. We're a people of the resurrection, God. The resurrection of Christ, it brings us hope, God. Without you, there's nothing. Without, without you being alive, there's nothing, God. There's nothing more that we would want to follow in our lives, Lord. And so, God, I pray that by your Spirit, Lord, you would speak to each heart, God, that's here in the room. Each heart would be drawn to Jesus Christ, drawn to the great salvation that we have because Jesus lives. God, thank you. Um, even when we don't deserve it, God, you give us the grace and the mercy. And so, God, we just say thank you and we worship you, Lord. We worship you. Um, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to invite